Hello, Riverside, San Bernardino, Inland Empire, and listeners around the world. Welcome to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. I'm your host, Angeline Marie. Thanks for taking the time to join us. We're broadcasting from our flagship station, KCAA 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. If you're located in the Southern California Inland Empire, you'll find us on KCAA 1050 on the AM dial. But if not, you can always find us streaming on kcaaradio.com or talkstreamlive.com. You can also hear our program rebroadcast on Liberty Works Radio Network at libertyworksradionetwork.com or on Red State Talk Radio at redstatetalkradio.com. And you can check their websites for broadcast days and times. Also, you can find podcasts posted on kcaaradio.com to listen at your leisure. And you can learn more about our show at truthseekersradioshow.com. Today, my guest is Chris White of Chris White Ministries, and we're going to discuss his film titled Ancient Aliens Debunked. Chris came from a background in the New Age where he once believed many of the theories he now frequently debunks. He feels it's important to show others the heirs of the teachings that once had him convinced. Chris is involved in Christian evangelism and discipleship programs full-time. Additionally, he is a filmmaker and the host of several online radio programs on various subjects. He's also the director of the internet radio station called the Revelations Radio Network, and he lectures on various subjects that include the occult, the New Age, biblical prophecy, and many others. Ancient Aliens Debunked is three hours of video that debunks theories proposed on the History Channel series called Ancient Aliens. It's a point-by-point critique of the ancient astronaut theory, which has been proposed by people like Aaron Von Daniken and Zechariah Sitchin, as well as many others. So if you'll help me welcome Chris White. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing great, Angeline. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us about your film. So, Chris, to get started, Ancient Aliens Debunked, what brought you to the point where you thought it was important to produce this film? Can you give us some background on that? Sure. Well, um, I used to believe the ancient astronaut theory, and I should first say while we're talking about this, that this, this film is not something you have to buy. You can see, if you're interested in this, you can see it for free anywhere online. It's just ancient aliens debunked. Just Google it. But I just, um, I actually believed it for a while. Like I, one of the first things, I was always interested in like the, the pyramids and those kind of things. And really it was those kinds of mysteries that got me into the new age originally. And, um, and over time, I started to see some problems with the theory in my own life and eventually led to me sort of completely abandoning the idea altogether. But, and then as my, um, you know, ministry grew and everything, I, I always got questions about this and I would point, point them to various places, but I was always kind of uh, disappointed that there wasn't sort of a, an easy button, if you will, like just some place I could send them to say, look, here's why it's wrong, you know? And uh, it just kind of happened in the small group that I was in, where uh, somebody's father was into the ancient astronaut theory, and I wanted to just give him something, but I have these movies for him, but I was like, I just need to do this. And so uh, I just took about a year of research and uh, and wrote the script and did the movie. And so it's just, it's a tool for people uh, to to do the same thing, to send it to people who are interested in the ancient astronaut hypothesis and hopefully get them to rethink the idea. 
Okay. Well, Chris, you know what ancient astronaut theory means, and maybe some of the listeners don't, and maybe some do, but... So let's start with the basics. So what exactly is the ancient astronaut theory? Right, of course. Well, this this is the theory that uh, in the ancient times, um, ancient or, or let's call them uh, extraterrestrials came down uh, from space and, and either helped humans to build these ancient megalithic structures like the pyramids and Baalbek and Pumapunku and all these other things that they say, or maybe they did them themselves. That is to say, the aliens built them. Or there's a lot of different kinds of things that they will promote as evidence that these extraterrestrials came down in the past, like uh, the Nazca lines or, or the, the various hieroglyphics in Egyptian art. And even biblical texts like Ezekiel's wheel, they'll say, well, Ezekiel was really just you know, talking about a, a UFO. Lots of different things, um, things in the Sumerian text and those kinds of issues. So it's, it's, it, it's kind of a big theory. It encompasses quite a lot of these mysteries of the ancient world. And it's almost as simple as saying, hey, look, there's a mystery that we don't know much about. Uh, therefore, it's aliens, as the old uh, uh, meme goes. You know, Chris, when I was a kid, I would hear about UFOs, crop circles, aliens, and I, I didn't really believe in that stuff, and I didn't know too many people that believed in it. But I would say as time has gone on, it seems that more people tend to believe that there are UFOs out there. And, you know, I was just wondering, we're seeing it more in TV, film, advertising. It's more emphasized in our society. Why do you think this is? Why is there such an emphasis on aliens now? Well, that's a good point, and you're right, everywhere. And, I, I mean, most of the big blockbuster uh, movies over the last decade have had really an ancient aliens theme to it. You know, even like Transformers or Indiana Jones or all these things really have this sort of, uh, they're promoting this view. Um, I would say there's, there's two probable reasons, and, and one is sort of spiritual and one is just sort of practical. The, the 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 practical well let's go with the spiritual one first i think that the idea of aliens creating mankind which is a big part of this theory that that aliens came down here they took the the monkeys and they and they modified them to be human beings and in a way they're sort of our gods they're, they're the ones that have uh, created us this this i think um is is something that people like because it, it gives them a way to essentially throw away the biblical um, aspect of things and say, oh, all of this is just to do with aliens. In a way, it's kind of like uh, just another one of many ways for people to reject God. And I think there's a spiritual reason for that. I think people, uh, just as the Bible says, I think just in general people are in rebellion against God, and they would choose not to have any um, uh, repercussions for the act, their actions. And this kind of gives them sort of a scientific reason, if you will, to believe that. There are there are other reasons, though, the practical reason I mentioned is that I think that there are problems with the current uh, uh, views about the ancient world in, in academia, uh, particularly things as simple as, as the, the DNA uh, code and how complex it is. It, it's a really difficult thing for uh, geneticists to really dis, uh, you know, say how all of a sudden DNA and its complexity just appeared out of nowhere. It's a very uh, rich informational design. 
and it's a very difficult thing to say it evolved. Even in the, the, the very famous line of the, the famous atheist Richard Dawkins said in the in the movie uh, Expelled by Ben Stein, in which Ben Stein asked him, well, what he was asking him specifically about this question, and Richard Dawkins, as, as secular as he is, said one option for that would be aliens coming down here, and they were the ones that sort of uh, messed with our DNA. And, and so in a way, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's, a, it's an out for the scientific community to explain away a very difficult problem of the DNA. Of course, they would say that we evolved over time, but there's just no, not enough time. None of it really makes sense, particularly with the genetic code. Okay. Well, Chris, when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit about Eric Von Daniken and what he proposes, but we don't have enough time to start that before the break. So let's just go ahead and take the break and we'll address that when we come back. Listeners today, my guest is Chris White of Chris White Ministries, and we're discussing his film, Ancient Aliens Debunk. We'll be back momentarily on the True Seekers radio show. Thousands of years, people from the Brazilian rainforest have used the Asahi berry for its amazing health benefits. Now we've learned it's also an amazing weight loss supplement. If you're looking to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds or more, then the Ultimate Asahi Diet may be your solution. The Ultimate Asahi Diet is loaded with pure organic Asahi extract powder and other great herbs like hudia and green tea. You'll burn fat, control your appetite, and get an energy surge like you've never felt before. If you want to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds, order the Ultimate Asahi Diet right now. We'll even give you a free bottle when you order two, plus give you free shipping. Call 800-430-4147, 800-430-4147, 800-430-4147. $300 discount applied to regular price for orders above $2,000 may not be combined with other offers. Valid through 12-31-13. Details at empiretoday.com slash 300 radio. Muddy hippos. Lion claw marks and stampedes of wildebeests. No, we're not in Africa. It's the years of damage done to your floors by the people and pets in your life. Now's the time to clean up the jungle with Empire Today's radio-only $300 off special. Get carpet, hardwood, laminate, ceramic, or vinyl floors installed from Empire for over $2,000 and get $300 off. Lock in your $300 off by calling this special number now, 855-586-1559. Life can be a jungle for your floors, but $300 off new brand name carpet, hardwood, laminate, ceramic, and vinyl from Empire Today will make your home seem new again. Call 855-586-1559 now for Empire's radio-only $300 offer. That's 855-586-1559. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers radio show. Today, our guest is Chris White of Chris White Ministries, and we're discussing his film, Ancient Aliens Debunked. And Chris, before we went to the break, I brought up 
Eric von Daniken. Now, who is he and what is he proposing in the film? Yes, Eric von Daniken is one of the primary from ancient astronaut theory. He has written many books uh, about it, and he really is just sort of, he kind of started off as like a Swiss uh, hotelier, um, got in prison for fraud and some other things. And when he was in prison, he wrote a lot of these uh, these first theories about, uh, you know, that, that aliens came down and, and built the pyramids and all the rest of it. It's really his theories that the show Ancient Aliens is based on. Even the Giorgio Tsoukalos, the, the guy with the hair that appears on the, the History Channel show, he was kind of, he, I think he was the president of Von Daniken's fan club or something like that. And he actually, so they're very, very close. So really, Ancient Aliens is Eric Von Daniken's baby in a lot of ways. And, uh, of course, a lot of what uh, is also promoted there is another guy named Zachariah Sitchin, who claimed to be able to translate ancient texts very well. We now know, um, since he wrote his books in the 70s, now we have much more information about Sumerian. And we know that he was just plain dead wrong on all his, uh, his so-called theories. He didn't have any credentials in the field or anything like that. But these are all things that people don't uh, know about. But the, the strength of the debunking of the ancient astronaut theory is really, is really in the details, um, because what Eric von Daniken and Zachariah Sitchin do is they present a, a lot of us. They say things like, you know, you know, it's impossible for, for modern man to move a block of stone that big, and they don't go into any of the, the facts that archaeologists and, uh, know about certain uh, uh, sites and things like that. But I think probably the best way to get into all the details there is to really just go with what's m the most interesting to you of the things that we discussed in the film, because we discussed so much. Um, so I guess we'll just take it from there. Okay, so Chris, basically the overall theme then is that they're saying man could not have erected all of these structures without the help of aliens or ancient astronauts, correct, in a nutshell? That is a big part of it, yeah. The, okay. the megalithic sites is, is, is really one of the biggest things. And, and it's kind of a view that ancient man was not very smart, um, so how could they do any of these things? Um, and that's really the, the focus of most of the theories, is that we have this really big structure, and we know that, that man back then couldn't do that, so it must be, you know, aliens, basically. Okay. So you brought up the moving of huge blocks of stone in the film. That's some of the points made by the archaeologist. And, you know, they would have needed huge machinery or anti-gravity. There was no tools avail available to have... Uh, worked or uh, moved these monuments. So how did you debunk this in your film? Well, with the moving of the blocks, uh, there's a lot of different things, uh, particularly with mids. In, 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 you're right, in the, in the, uh, the, the ancient alien series, uh, series, they're always talking about how levitation is needed in order to move these blocks. But if you look into just what the Egyptians were saying with their hieroglyphics, they actually depicted them moving the blocks with these wooden sleds. Now, you have to imagine wheels wouldn't do them a lot of good there in the sand, but these wooden sleds did. So they, they're actually pictured moving everything from the blocks, the size and shape of the ones that were used to build the pyramids, uh, to using wooden sleds to move these massive 1,000-ton uh, uh, obelisks and other statues and things like that. Uh, pulled by you know teams of oxen or teams of uh, slaves, but we actually have these these wooden sleds 
in the museum. Like if you go to the museum in Cairo, you can see these massive wooden sleds. They've got all kinds of places to tie ropes to. We found all you know these ropes with huge circumferences, uh, which suggest they were used to pull to objects. So I think I think that with the moving of the stones in places like um, uh, the pyramids, it, it's it's obvious. It, it's something that they were they weren't they were telling us how they did it, and we have physical evidence as to how they did it. None of the blocks are too big for them to do that. Now, in regard to some of the more difficult things like uh, moving the blocks up the, the pyramid, um, that has been a subject of a lot of debate, even among Egyptologists. That is to say, how did they get these blocks, even though they weren't particular, you know, it's, it's fine when you're moving them across sand, but what, it, what about when you have to get them up a, an incline? Well, they've proposed a number of theories, such as a, a really long ramp, uh, that's sort of been debunked in uh, ma- mainstream Egyptology now because the ramp would have had to have been so long and actually more blocks would have been needed for that uh, ramp in order to than there was to build the pyramid itself. Um, so the, there's a lot of theories, but one of the ones that, that I promoted in the film and one of the ones that is gaining so much popularity among Egyptologists now is a new theory from a French architect named Jean-Pierre Houdin who proposed that there was an internal ramp in the in the pyramid so they actually there was a ramp at about a seven percent incline that actually was was in inside the pyramid if you will on the perimeter of the inside of the pyramid and every time they got to one of the corners they they set the block there they lifted up the block on a uh, a kind of a wooden uh, gantry kind of thing and set it back down on another track going up the other side of the pyramid it's a, it's this ingenious thing that has excuse me has evidence for it there's been now uh these gravimetric surveys done in the Great Pyramid that show evidence of this internal ramp in the pyramid. It's absolutely astounding and sweeping the whole, uh, you know, everybody by storm in the Egyptological community. So, you know, we have so much physical evidence that about the moving of stones in, in Egypt, for example, that there's absolutely no reason for anything like levitation or anything else. A lot of the other things that they suggest, things like Baalback and, and, um, and others like Easter Island, the thing about Easter Island is that they know good and well, ancient aliens knows good and well, that, that modern, uh, modern studies have been done using uh, just very basic things like wooden rollers to move the, the moai, which is the name of those big heads on Easter Island. They're really not that big. The stone's not that heavy. It's made out of volcanic rock. And, and, and we've got you know, video of people with no modern tools, a very minimal amount of people moving these, these things all around uh, Easter Island. It's just not that hard to move them. Um, so the point is, is that they tried to say in ancient okay, okay, well, yeah, you can move them really easily, but there's no trees on Easter Island, and that was their main point in the film. It's like, okay, sure, you can move them, but there's no trees, and you're using wooden rollers. But the but the funny thing about that, which I demonstrated in the film, is that Easter Island used to have a ton of trees. They all got deforested. I mean, Easter Island is one of the most deforested places on the planet, and it, and because of that, there's so much soil erosion now. And the reason they took down all the trees was to use them for the moving of these statues, uh, uh, because because the people on Easter Island, for example, just got kind of obsessed with making these moai. Um, so they cut down all the trees, and now it's one of the biggest environmental disasters as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Now this Baalbek, can you talk a little bit about the ancient astronaut theorists, and was there something about a landing pad for space travelers? Right, that's the theory proposed by a guy named Zachary Sitchin about the, the site in Lebanon in the Bekaa Valley called Baalbek. This is 
a, a temple that um, the Greeks and Romans sort of, there was a ri- originally a very old temple there that was probably to a Canaanite god on, on a, what, what the Bible calls these high places. Um, a very old kind of small temple there, but over the years it was built on and expanded on by the Romans, eventually creating this massive complex that we know as as Heliopolis today in Lebanon. But the, the theory from the ancient astronaut theory, theorists is that the original site, this ancient Canaanite temple, was really this massive platform that was used to have spaceships, uh, kind of like a landing pad for spaceships. And there are a ton of problems with that. Uh, first of all, all the evidence that they use to support that is completely wrong. It's based on uh, Zechariah Sitchin's translations. Who He says, oh, in the, in the Epic of Gilgamesh, it actually says that rockets are ascending and descending, but nobody can find that in the, ancient, in, in the Epic of Gilgamesh. Sitchin never even cited where we were supposed to find it uh, at length in the film. But the point is, is that um, what the earliest site was was actually a really small temple, um, what they're trying to say is that the what, what's known as the trilithon stones, these very massive stones that the Romans put there, were not put there by the Romans, but they were put there by the earliest people. And that can be debunked a number of ways. First of all, the Romans put those three stones where they did to act as a, a, a western retaining wall. Retaining walls are needed on, if they're on the, the slope side of, uh, of a construction project. And, and they certainly needed them in this particular case because of soil erosion and because it was on a slope. And the Romans were very good at, at building retaining walls. And anybody that, that has ever uh, uh, you know, seen a, a retaining wall and knows a little bit about it knows that you have to have huge stones in order to make an effective retaining wall. And one of the things I pointed out in, that, in the film was that at the very same time, the Romans were building the, the second biggest stones ever used ever in the world and at that time was also a country over in Israel when Herod uh, was using Roman techniques. Remember, he, he was a Roman uh, king, and he was expanding the temple for Herod's temple. He also created this massive three stones that were part of a retaining wall to hold back the massive slope as he expanded the temple there. So it, 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 it's, we see from the Roman records, they, they had all the tools to do this. You've got to keep in mind, the Romans were dragging around obelisks all over the Mediterranean at this time. It got really popular in Rome to, to take these obelisks, you know, these big Egyptian uh, uh, rectangular sort of uh, pillars, and, and bring them back to Rome from Egypt. So there's, there's release of them moving and lifting these things. Not, I mean, hundreds of miles. Keeping in mind that the quarry at Baalbek was less than a mile from the site, so they didn't even have to drag it very far. I, I show a lot of different things in the, in the film, particularly some papers that have shown that it would take something like 144 people, not even that many people, using Roman techniques to move and, and lift these blocks to where they needed to be. And uh, the details of that are all in the film. But suffice to say, it is, it's something that is in our own records of what the Romans themselves were clearly able to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, Chris. Well, we're going to take our second break. Listeners, today my guest is Chris White of Chris White Ministries, and we're discussing his film, Ancient Aliens Debunked, and we'll be back momentarily on the True Seekers radio show. When you 
struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-948-6817. 800-948-6817. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-948-6817. 800-948-6817. discount applied to regular price for orders above $2,000. May not be combined with other offers. Valid through 12-31-13. Details at empiretoday.com slash 300 radio. Muddy hippos. Lion claw marks. And stampedes of wildebeests. No, we're not in Africa. It's the years of damage done to your floors by the people and pets in your life. Now's the time to clean up the jungle with Empire Today's radio-only $300 off special. Get carpet, hardwood, laminate, ceramic, or vinyl floors installed from Empire for over $2,000 and get $300 off. Lock in your $300 off by calling this special number now, 855-586-1559. Life can be a jungle for your floors, but $300 off new brand-new Name carpet, hardwood, laminate, ceramic, and vinyl from Empire Today will make your home seem new again. Call 855-586-1559 now for Empire's radio-only $300 offer. That's 855-586-1559. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers radio show today. My guest is Chris White of Chris White Ministries, and we're discussing his film, Ancient Aliens Debunked. And Chris, can you tell the listeners where they can watch your film or any contact information or website information you want to give out? Sure. Well, you can just Google Debunked, and you can watch it on YouTube. You can also go to the website, ancientaliensdebunked.com where I have uh, a lot of footnotes. I make a lot of claims in the, in the three-hour film, and so I have footnoted all those places where you can do the research for yourself to see if what I'm saying is true at the website, ancientaliensdebunks.com. Okay. And Chris, um, what does your film say about the Incan sites, in particular the, uh, the curved and beveled edges of the stones? I mean, how are they, how are they able to do that, and how do the theorists, theorists of the ancient aliens film descri- uh, describe this or say it was done? Yeah, this, this is one where at these uh, Incan sites, the Incans had a stone-cutting technique that made it look like they were, well, they were curved uh, kind of beveled ev- edges on these stones. And the and ancient aliens, the, the, the series says that this is done by melting the stones into uh, these molds, and that's what gives it the look. Their entire evidence for that is simply that it, looks like, because they've got curved edges, that they were molded. They say it's a much uh, easier and simpler hypothesis that they just took the material there, melted these granite stones, and then poured them into molds. 
and there are a lot of problems with this. The first is that we we absolutely conclusively know how they did this. Um, they have what's known as pit marks on all of these stones that um, basically the way that just about everybody quarried stone in the ancient world was they took a stone and they took a stone that was harder than that stone and they basically pounded it and millimeters at a time would break off of it. And with these beveled edges, what they essentially did was they used a smaller pounding stone uh, to get a finer uh, uh, point on the edges of these things. If you look at one of these sites, it's interesting because in no way do they look like molds. They're all completely different sizes and shapes and weird kind of oblong things. And the way that, that what was unique about the Incans is they actually did all the shaping on site. So they took the rough cut stones and they put it like in the corner where, you know, on the wall where they were going to put it. And it's right there as it was sitting there that they started doing the, the, the pounding work to actually get it to fit right in the place that it was sitting. That was a unique, unique thing with the Incans. Again, we have physical evidence of this. The, the pounding stones are found everywhere in the quarries. I mean, we have these many smoking guns all over the, quarry, the Incan quarries. Uh, they're, it's, in fact, one interesting thing that I cite in the film is one archaeologist, I think a space of a few hours, uh, uh, duplicated this exact thing and detailed the whole thing, you know, with pictures and what he did and how he did it using the pounding stones and all this stuff. So if one archaeologist can do this in a few hours, uh, it, it's not exactly, uh, a, a, you know, the, the most logical uh, theory in the world to say it must be aliens melting stone. Because, of course, we we don't even know how to do that today. I mean, you don't melt granite and then pour it into a mold. Um, that's I mean, even um, that's that's just not necessary because that's not what the evidence shows. It shows that they just simply use a pretty basic stone cutting technique or stone pounding technique. Mm-hmm. Now, in the History Channel documentary, they bring up something called Ezekiel's Wheel, and I just want to. This is from their documentary. It says in the book of Ezekiel, the prophet describes a flying chariot containing wheels within wheels, and powered by angels. Although Bible historians suggest Ezekiel was speaking symbolically about the terrifying enemies facing Israel. Could this be another example of an alien visitation and proof that prehistoric aircraft existed? And what do you say about this statement, Chris? Well, uh, first of all, I would say that, well, there's a lot of things to say. Ezekiel's wheel has been a, a sort of uh, big poster child of the ancient astronaut theory for a long time. They say that what Ezekiel saw uh, and he described is not the throne of God, which is something that they got wrong there. They say, all these Bible scholars say this is about the enemies of Israel. I, I can tell you that no Bible scholar says that. I, I've read commentary after commentary on the book of Ezekiel. There is not a single scholar that says that what Ezekiel is describing is the enemies of Israel. And the reason that they don't say that is because Ezekiel explicitly tells us is what, what he is describing is the throne of God. He's seeing God seated on his throne, and that's what he ex- explicitly describing, not the enemies of Israel. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But so what, what Ezekiel, what they say is that Ezekiel describes all this detail, but they'll say, well, Ezekiel was this ancient guy who didn't know what, what UFOs were like, so he's using all this language, trying his best to describe a, a UFO. And one of the problems with that is that Ezekiel is an extremely detailed 
guy. Ezekiel starts out every one of his prophecies with, with something like, Ezekiel, in the third month, of the, on the eighth day, I was sitting here looking at this. I mean, he's just so detailed. And he says exactly what he means. Um, for example, they say that when Ezekiel describes, I need to give you a little bit of a picture of what he's describing. He says he's seen God on a throne. God's throne is supported by a platform, like a big sort of square platform. And that, and that square platform on each corner, there is what Ezekiel calls a cherubim. Uh, that is what we know is like a, a, an angel, a certain type of angel on each one of those uh, corners that are supporting the platform, which in turn is supporting the throne. And right next to those angels is a wheel. Okay, so that's it's kind of odd, I know, but it's it's actually what everybody seems to describe God's throne as. That is to say, Daniel in Daniel seven describes it almost identical. There, um, when when Ezekiel, or excuse me, when Daniel talks about wheels, he simply tells us it is a throne. We know what it is from Daniel. John sees an almost identical thing in the Book of Revelation. Nobody thinks John is talking about a UFO. He's talking about a throne. Same thing with Daniel. But for some reason, we say Ezekiel must be talking about something other than the throne of God. And here's some problems with it. So they say that each one of these angels really is a bunch of propellers, okay? This is something that comes from a guy named Joseph Bloomberg. But basically, they say that what he was really trying to describe, describe as propellers. But Ezekiel goes into so much detail. He says, what, what is supposed to be propellers? He says, okay, this is what it was. It, it had the likeness of a man, so it looked like a man, but it had four faces. One of those faces was an ox, one was an eagle, one was, uh, uh, I think, a lion. So it had a face of a man, uh, an eagle, uh, an ox, and, and all this stuff. And you have to believe, okay, Ezekiel got it that wrong. Ezekiel was supposed to be describing a propeller, yet he describes a man with a face of an eagle on, one, on his right side and a face of a lion. I mean, it's just completely preposterous to think that that's what Ezekiel was talking about. It's strange, yes, but it's certainly not talking about a propeller. That's just so reading into the text. Um, what's interesting about this, and Dr. Michael Heiser, who I feature in the film, has done a lot of work on this particular subject of, of Ezekiel, and he has actually shown that in the ancient world, and I think this is interesting because it shows that the ancient world had an idea about God, like the real God, and it's so much so that they knew that this is what thrones looked like. And so you can see in the ancient world of all these artifacts that they were describing thrones like this on a platform with four four-faced angels with wheels. Um, it's amazing to see that the ancient world is getting this correctly. When they built thrones for their kings, very often they would put angels on four corners. It's a really interesting uh, idea that, that, look, these ancient people, they didn't get it wrong. They were telling us exactly what they were seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just us trying to read into the text and say, oh, no, 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 let's, no, let's not pay attention to what they said. Let's put some words in their mouth and make it be UFOs. <laughs> okay, Chris, what does the History Channel documentary say about the Egyptian light bulb theory? I'd never heard of this. And then what do you say about the Egyptian light bulb theory? Well, if anybody is familiar with this built, they'll recognize this, this hieroglyphic in uh, the uh, temple in Dendera, uh, which is a place in Egypt. And, and what it, it, it kind of looks like this, uh, this huge dome light bulb kind of thing with a filament in, inside. And, and they say what it is is uh, an ancient light bulb, which they use to light the pyramids and all this stuff. And it, this was really convincing. I remember believing this at one point. But what 
what it actually is is it's a it's in it. This is something that uh, Egyptologists would just look at this and tell you exactly what it is. It is a variation of their description of how the universe came into being. So what their view about the original the origin of the universe was this. They believe that before there was anything, there was a big uh, uh, primordial sea, which they actually gave that that sea a personality. Its name was Nut. And she was the, the, the goddess of the primordial sea. And the first thing that came out of the primordial sea was a lotus flower. And the reason why uh, that they probably had that idea was because lotus flowers come up uh, out of the water in, in the morning or whatever. So they, they, they envisioned this idea. And you can actually see a lotus flower at the base of this so-called light bulb. And out of this so-called light bulb, or out of the lotus flower, rather, comes this big dome. And what they believed was that out of the lotus flower sprang this bubble of air in which in the inside of it, what they, what they say is like a filament, like, you know, a light bulb with inside of a light bulb, is actually a snake. And you can tell it's a snake. If you zoom in really closely, you can see it's got eyes. It's got, you know, it's a snake. Um, and what that is is a depiction of the, the Egyptian god Atum, which was supposed to be the first god that, that came out of the lotus flower at the creation of the world. And then he in turn created all the other gods. So what's, what's actually being, being described there is a very... Oh, it's also got these, the, these hands that are supporting this light bulb. And what that is is something that is so seen everywhere you look at this depiction of this, this primordial sea goddess Nut. She's always depicted as using these hands to sort of uplift uh, either the solar barge of Ra or this, this, uh, the, this bubble of air which Atum is coming out of the lotus and it's sort of a representation of her lifting up this out of the out of nothingness and then therefore beginning the the creation of the world. So it's it's something that that if you're familiar with Egyptian mythology, this mm-hmm. is a no-brainer. But of course most people aren't and so we sometimes fall prey to these ideas of these uh people like uh, Giorgio Suclos and Eric von Daniken. Mhm. Okay, Chris. Well, when we come back, I want to ask you about Nephilim and something called the Great Deception. Listeners, today my guest is Chris White of Chris White Ministries. We're discussing his film, Ancient Aliens Debunked, and we'll be back momentarily on the True Seekers radio show. three letters in the alphabet that strike terror in most of us. These are the three letters you need to avoid at all costs. I-R-S. If the IRS is coming after you for $15,000 or more in back taxes, you don't want to fight them alone. You need the help of the tax resolution experts at U.S. Tax Relief. They've helped thousands of people like you eliminate up to 85% of their delinquent taxes. If you qualify, U.S. Tax Relief can settle your tax debts for less than you owe, remove penalties and interest, and protect you from bank levies and garnishments. If you owe the IRS at least $15,000 in back taxes, call U.S. Tax Relief now for a free consultation and see how much money they can save you. Call 800-989-1694. 800-989-1694. 800-989-1694. 800-989-1694. For thousands of years, 
people from the Brazilian rainforest have used the Asahi berry for its amazing health benefits. Now we've learned it's also an amazing weight loss supplement. If you're looking to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds or more, then the Ultimate Asahi Diet may be your solution. The Ultimate Asahi Diet is loaded with pure organic Asahi extract powder and other great herbs like hudia and green tea. You'll burn fat, control your appetite, and get an energy surge like you've never felt before. If you want to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds, order the Ultimate Asahi Diet right now. We'll even give you a free bottle when you order two, plus give you free shipping. Call 800-430-4147. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers radio show. Today, my guest is Chris White of Chris White Ministries, and we're discussing his film, Ancient Aliens Debunked. So, Chris, what is the Great Deception for those who might have not heard of it? And do you think that the Great Deception is linked to the reason why maybe History Channel and other outlets are pushing this ancient alien theory? Do you think that there's a link between the two? Well, that's certainly a theory that I have promoted for a long time. Um, that that is that I believed uh, for quite some time that basically what what a possible scenario in the future could be is that some sort of um, either real or fake alien presence. It doesn't have to be an invasion or anything like that. It could be something as simple as you know, scientists discover extraterrestrial life in somewhere, and it would it would basically change everybody's sort of opinion about everything, particularly about religion, because if, if, if intelligent life was out there, then in many people's minds it would debunk the idea of, of, of God, even though they're not mutually exclusive ideas. Of course, God could have created you know, multiple places, I suppose. We don't really know. The Bible doesn't say. But, but in many people's minds, at least, it would debunk that idea. But I would say that 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 deception is certainly possible. I can think of a million reasons that that would work in in deceiving a lot of people for for abandoning Christianity uh, in the last days. But I'm not entirely sure that's what the great deception that is spoken of in places like Second Thessalonians two is all about. Um, for example, I, I could just read maybe a little bit about that. It says. Um, now, the coming of the lawless one is according with the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all the unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Um, so th- this is basically, it doesn't really give us any indication of what the deception will be necessarily. So I think that for a long time I, I looked at these verses that talked about lying wonders and, 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 and powerful you know, signs and stuff like this and said, well, that could certainly be you know, some kind of uh, Nephilim kind of you know, slash alien thing. I didn't really know or articulate it too well. But the reason that I changed my mind a little bit about this is that I think this deception is more 
when we actually look at the Bible about it, I think that it's talking about the Antichrist himself, particularly this this event where the Antichrist seems to get a wound, but then but then seems to resurrect. I think that that's the deception, because it seems it's at that point that everybody really begins to worship the Antichrist. Um, so if if you were to ask me today what Second Thessalonians two nine are talking about this great deception, I think it's I think it's the the seeming resurrection of Antichrist. Um, I don't think it has to do with aliens, though. I'm not ruling that out as a possibility. I certainly think that a deception like that. Is, is something Satan would gladly do, because it would, in fact, deceive the world into uh, abandoning Christianity. But I think that the end-times religion is, is less of a—it uh, certainly includes an abandoning of, uh, of Christianity, but it's also uh, really the main thing that it is, is a worship of Antichrist, more than anything else. Um, so it needs, to be, it needs to be focused around that if, uh, if it's to remain true to the Scriptures, in my opinion. That being said, I think that it's a, it's a theory that I, again, have promoted widely and, and certainly say it's possible that it could be that way. Mm-hmm. Chris, what do you think about people who say that they've been abducted or they really have seen UFOs? What do you say about that? Well, certainly uh, with those people, um, there's been a lot of research done, and we've, we've actually talked about this uh, with sleep paralysis, um, Basically, alien abduction, in my opinion, is is a very uh, severe form of sleep paralysis. They're exactly the same thing. There's been plenty of studies done on this. The basic idea is that a person wakes up, they can't move. They sit, not only sense a presence in the room, but they see, feel, can be tortured by that presence. In my experience with sleep paralysis, to the degree that a person is opened up themselves to the occult, is the degree in which these experiences can be even more deceptive. That is, they can be tortured more. They begin to see the beings as a whole host of different things. These beings have presented themselves as everything from aliens to fairies to whatever the culture is into at that time. Uh, one of the interesting things that I think helps to prove this case is um, uh, John Mack at Harvard, when he was doing his research into alien abductions, one of the first guys that ever really did a serious study about alien abductions, he began to find out that the people that were coming to him that were having genuine experiences, you know, he kind of weeded out all the ones that were either, you know, fake in or lying or whatever, but the ones that were genuinely experiencing something, he found that they were almost all extremely into the occult, so much so that he actually developed another sheet for them to fill out, uh, which is called the Paranormal Belief Scale, which is still in use today. It's a survey that they have to fill out that says things like, do you practice black magic or do you, do you think it's a good idea, and all these kinds of things about the occult. And it gives him a way as a scientist to say, this person is scoring high on the paranormal belief scale. Now, in their view, the, the view is that since they believe in the paranormal, they're more susceptible to having these alien abductions happen. When I think that from a Christian worldview, what we would say is, the more that they're into the black magic and stuff like that is to the degree that they have opened themselves up to these demonic presences who the Bible tells us clearly can appear as angels of light. I mean, they can appear as anything that they want to, essentially. So um, so basically, I don't think that we need to, to say necessarily that, that that's what's happening with alien abductions. Though I would say that's a different story with the things that are flying around, you know, with the UFO sightings. That can be a number of things. That can be government craft that we're unaware of. 
things like the Phoenix Lights and a whole lot of other stuff are just plain hoaxes. Well, that wasn't a hoax. That was that was. Uh, it sounds cliche to say it was uh, flares, but if you go to Ancient Aliens Debunked and look for the Phoenix Lights post, I, I believe that anybody that looks at that will will be proven conclusively that the Phoenix Lights were had to be flares. And the reason that they they, they quote unquote flickered off was because they fell behind the mountains, and so the, people have superimposed the mountains to the lights. It's a no-brainer when you see that. So there's a lot of stuff out there like the Phoenix Lights that have just other explanations. There is another explanation for people that have seen lights and stuff like that, and that is a little bit more uh, nuanced. Basically, there is, a, I think, a spiritual deception, just like the Bible says, that, that, you know, uh, that angels and, and demons can appear as, as angels of light. And I think that there are a lot of circumstantial evidence, that is, testimonies of people that were involved in Satanism, that Satanists can do that. They can summon lights in the sky by, according to their testimony, you know, whether you believe it or not, uh, that's what one of the things that they do. Uh, and they can say, oh, they can tell people it's, it's UFOs or whatever, but it's just a light in the sky. Lights in the sky do not equal aliens from another planet, is what I would say. Okay. And Chris, what, a, what did the History Channel documentary say about Nephilim, and what are Nephilim, and what do you say about Nephilim? Nephilim was one of the hardest things that I did in the film because, in a sense, I couldn't quite debunk it. I mean, they said a lot of wrong things about Nephilim that were untrue, but to, to get right down to it, I think that the Nephilim idea is where, what the ancient astronaut theory was based on in the first place. There are a lot of stories in ancient cultures about these, uh, these spiritual beings, these, these gods, as they would say, that came down to Earth. They had sex with human women. They produced offspring, which were giants. This is what we are. What the Bible calls Nephilim, the original, uh, the original angels who sinned in this way uh, were imprisoned in the underground prison. What's interesting to me is that every, almost every single ancient uh, mythology has this at its core: that there were ancient beings that came down, had sex with human women. Those beings were imprisoned in Egypt. It was the underworld in uh, in Samaria. The, the Anunnaki were imprisoned for similar uh, transgression. They produced offspring. And what's, what's the, what the mainstream view is is that we have to just assume that, that all these people in all these different cultures, completely unconnected to one another, were coming up with this exact same story with a flood and everything else, you know, flood and animals and the rest of it. It's all tied into the same story about, you know, of course, Genesis 6. The reason the flood came, in part, was because of this transgression of these angels that came and had sex with human women, etc. So, so basically, the, the mainstream will say, oh, it's just a coincidence that they all came up with this. But I couldn't debunk that, and I, I got a lot of heat from that, because I, I didn't debunk it. I essentially said, look, something like that happened in the ancient past. They weren't, uh, they, we can conclusively say they weren't, you know, beings from another planet, but you know, I, I go in to say that uh, you know when we're when what we need to look for is which text is tell is the most accurate about this because the Sumerians clearly didn't care anything about getting their their facts straight. I mean, they often changed their story from one temple to the next. You'd get a different story about what it what it said. But the Hebrews in, in the Hebrew Bible uh, were completely consistent, and I, I argue in the film much more reliable. So if we want to know what happened with that instance, I think that the Bible, Genesis 6 particularly, is our best uh, uh, place to find out about that. Mm -hmm. And Chris, what's the most important thing you'd like to say before we leave the listeners today about your film, Ancient Aliens Debunked? 
Well, if you are a person who, like me, was into the ancient or are into the ancient astronaut theory, you owe it to yourself to hear the other side of the story. There are so many things that that, that are discussed in this film. Um, you know, we mentioned a few here, uh, the Pirta, uh, but but there's stuff like Pumapunku, uh, uh, the Incan sites, Easter Island, Pakal's rocket, the Nazca lines, the Tolima fighter jets, the Egypt, you know, the UFOs and ancient art, crystal skulls, ancient nuclear warfare, Vermanas and Anaki, and the rest of it. Um, there's a there's another side of the story that you should check out. It's totally free. Just go to the website ancientaliensdebunked.com. Thanks so much, Chris. Listeners, today my guest has been Chris White of Chris White Ministries. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. Until next week, God bless. Did you know a sugary drink contains around 200 empty calories per can? This is registered dietitian Jim White. It's no surprise, extra sugar means extra calories. This can result in weight gain offering little to no nutritional benefit. Nutritionally sound beverage choices are water, 100% fruit juice, and low-fat or fat-free milk. Cutting out sugary drinks allows you more room for fruits and vegetables, whole grains, lean proteins, and low-fat dairy. This is registered dietitian Jim White. Visit eatright.org for more healthy tips.